0: You are Locked On Packers, Rogers. your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team by NFL Game Pass. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action from every game with full game replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. Go to nfl.com slash game pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. On the show today, our weekly chat is with Lily Zhao in a segment we are officially calling. So how you doing? How you doing? Because that is what Lily wanted. And because I think it's great. And so that's what we're doing. Uh, we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers. We're going to talk about the defense. We're going to talk about where this team goes from here. What's sustainable and what isn't. Before we get to that though. There is a number of of important news stories that we have to get to as it relates to the Packers this week and next week. The two big stories to come out of Tuesday in the NFL, for the Packers anyway, start with Justin Coleman, the Detroit Lions nickelback, who just got paid. He is going on IR, so he will miss Sunday's tilt with the Packers. We found out Desmond Trufant, a corner for the Lions, a presumed starting corner for the Lions, was going to be out. It looks like he has a chance to play this weekend, but there are still enormous injury concerns for this secondary with Jeff Okuda, the number 3 overall pick in this year's draft, also dealing with an injury. If none of those guys can go, the Lions are going to be starting The bad news bears at cornerback a week after Aaron Rodgers lit up the Minnesota Vikings, who, while those guys are not proven in the NFL, at least they are pedigreed. Mike Hughes is a first-round pick. Holton Hill would have been a much higher pick had he not had some off-field issues at Texas. Jeff Gladney, first-round pick. Cam Dantzler was a top-hundred pick. The guys that the Lions would trot out there. I mean, Amani Aruwarie, a fifth-round pick. Beyond that, Tony McRae, Daryl Roberts, those are, those are the only three corners actually on the roster, in fact. So that's a real problem when you're trying to slow down Aaron Rodgers, and that's already on a team where you don't really have much of a pass rush. Trey Flowers... Not a premier edge rusher. Deshaun Hand is a nice player. You know, they drafted Julio Aquara. They have Romeo Aquara. They have some guys that are that are fine. Danny Shelton in the interior to push the pocket a little bit. But they don't have the cover guys. They don't have nearly the quality of safety play that the Vikings do. And they don't have the pass rush to mitigate the issue of the cover guys. So how are they going to stop an Aaron Rodgers-led Packers offense that just scored 43 points and looked in complete control of everything they wanted to do, this being a Lions defense that couldn't stop Devontae Adams last year when they had Darius Slay, couldn't stop Alan Lazard when they had Justin Coleman? So how are they going to stop those guys when their best cornerbacks for those respective jobs are not in the game. I find it to be unlikely, especially in the home opener. I know the the advantages are not going to be the same, but there's certainly going to be a comfort level in Green Bay, a comfort level of sleeping in your own bed, all of those kinds of things. The other big news in the NFL, and certainly as it stands with the NFL as a whole, much bigger news than those Lions cornerback injuries is Michael Thomas has a high ankle sprain that is worse than originally thought. He is expected to miss, according to reports, several weeks. That was the wording, several weeks. Well, several weeks means at least two, and at least two means he will not play for the Packers in week three in New Orleans, a game that was already going to be made somewhat easier by the fact that the Superdome will not be a roiling cauldron of noise, sound, and fan fury. And Ross Jackson and I talked about this on Locked On NFL. Drew Brees did not play great on Sunday. One of the few games in his career where he had 160 or fewer passing yards. I mean, it was a bizarre game. They didn't look great. Michael Thomas gets hurt. Jared Cook becomes your leading receiver. And even in a game where Michael Thomas is hurt, Emmanuel Sanders was not really a factor. So, okay, what does a Saints offense look like built around Alvin Kamara and Jared Cook? Well, probably not a very good one if Drew Brees is not going to elevate his game above where we've seen it. In a year where you want to make a Super Bowl run, you have to get lucky. You have to get a little bit lucky. And this this is the case every single year. A team that wins the Super Bowl or makes a deep run does it because either they stayed really healthy or you know they ran into a schedule where, oh, yeah, a bunch of backup quarterbacks had to be in the game. That was the case a little bit for the Packers last year. You get to play David Blau, and you get to play Dwayne Haskins. And you get to play some quarterbacks that just, you know, weren't very good. This year, you got to play Breeze and Brady and and Jimmy Garoppolo such that you think he is a good player. Kirk Cousins twice, Matthew Stafford twice. Schedule's a little bit tougher. Well, what if Kenny Galladay is not 100%? And it sounds like Kenny Galladay is not going to be 100%. What if you get the Lions a week after they have a gut-wrenching, heartbreaking, soul-sucking loss to Mitch Trubisky and the Bears? What if you get that Lions team the same week, they don't have a healthy cornerback that you can pick out of a lineup? What about going to New Orleans to play in a year where there are no fans and you don't have to deal with the crowd noise there? You don't have to deal with the full two-and-a-half, three-points worth of home field advantage for New Orleans. That's the season you get to go do that. You get to go and play that Saints team potentially without their best receiver, one of the best, if not the best receivers in football. Certainly one of the most reliable receivers in football. Personally, I think Devontae Adams is every bit as good as Michael Thomas. I think there is a tier of guys at the top, and you can pick any one of them. And I think that tier is Tay, Thomas, Nuke, and Julio. And we can have conversations about some other guys, but it's it's those four guys to me and everyone else. And whichever one of those guys you want to pick, I, I think, is, is up to you. Right now this year, someone mentioned this to me on Twitter. When we play football on Sunday and Michael Thomas is out, there's a pretty straightforward case that Devontae Adams will be the best receiver playing on Sunday. And it might have been the case anyway. Based on what we saw last week when no one could cover him, Based on what we saw last year, when he's playing 70% in Seattle, according to him, and and he is torching a very well-coached Seahawks defense, a Pete Carroll-coached defense, just might be the best receiver in football. And and I I think you can certainly make that case. I don't know that I would, but I don't know that I wouldn't. And if you were to make it, I don't know that I would have great counters. I mean, I think his ability to get open is as elite a skill as any player in the league possesses and it's as useful a skill as any player at his position possesses so it is it is certainly something worth discussing there but the point of all of this is you know I don't I don't really like the idea of teams of destiny or a charmed season I think those are things we think of in retrospect and we say oh yeah wasn't they were the team of destiny and it it can feel that way i mean these are narratives that we often traffic in 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 the nfl and in the nba and in sports in general we talk about teams of destiny and in 2010 the packers felt a little bit like a team of destiny in 2011 the giants felt a little bit like a team of destiny and just so happened the packers ran into that team now where they really know uh, the giants were a team playing really well that matched up really well with green bay and they won a game that no one thought they could win. Narratives don't win football games. Players do and coaches do. So just because the Lions are banged up doesn't mean that Green Bay is just going to walk all over them. You still got to go do it. Just because Michael Thomas might not play in two weeks doesn't mean that Green Bay is going to go to New Orleans and just roll the Saints. Of course not. They still have to go out and play. They still have to go out and play better defense in the fourth quarter. Now, if you can build a three-score lead, by all means, please do that but this is good news for green bay and and you know do i feel a little icky saying that when we're talking about guys you know who are hurt physically injured potentially losing their livelihood potentially losing opportunities to at, at further livelihood yeah it's a little icky but it's also the deal and and it's my responsibility to bring you the matchups the matchups favor green bay this week because detroit is extremely banged up. And if you want to relive all the action from week one when the Packers took it to the Minnesota Vikings, you can do that with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. Relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle All in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective. As they break down the game's concepts and techniques, learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, and of course, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL film's archive. Go to nfl.com slash Pass. To start your free trial today, NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Let's get to Lily Zhao for, Zhao, you doing? How you doing? Lily, welcome to our first actual game recap show. I can't believe football's back. We talked about how it was surreal last week. Now you've seen it. It it was weird, but not that weird how did you how did you experience watching the the game in this new way
0: you know what it wasn't as weird and awkward for us as viewers I think than it probably was obviously for the guys on the field playing the game you know I think the broadcast did a good job just piping in noise for us where it did sound like there were people in the stands so honestly it wasn't that different um watching from a fan standpoint at home but you know, I, I do think this this week will be different for the Packers since they'll be back at Lambeau. So say they score a couple of touchdowns, like we won't see Lambeau leaps, which is gonna be different. But aside from that, like it really wasn't as jarring as I thought it would be. Watching for sure.
1: Yeah, and and one thing that you know it it potentially changes is all of the the game op stuff that we're used to. I mean, not just the Lambeau leap, but like. They play. I don't want or bang the drum all day and the go pack go cheers and like that stuff that we think of, especially those of us who who have covered the games or or the fans who get to go. That's an essential part of the Lambo experience. All of that stuff that they've been doing there forever.
0: Exactly, and you know what? I, I had a chance to chat with uh, Peter O'Reilly, who's like the NFL executive vice president of club business and league ops or something. And uh, I I can't remember a title. It is, it is a very important guy, but uh, I do kind of recall him saying that they might pipe in some of that go pack go stuff. Uh, Don't quote me on that at all, but I think that might've been an option just to keep it more authentic per se. But you're right. I mean, like, you know, we we heard Rogers kind of say he's going to quote unquote miss the wave. But you know, I, I chatted with Aaron Jones yesterday and he said, you know, you're going to miss the roll out the barrel or you're going to miss the go pack go chance. And that's going to be one of the most different in parts about watching a Packer game at home versus in a normal non-pandemic world.
1: Right. I think I don't know how much of the NBA games you've watched, but I feel like they've done a really good job with that because you do hear all of the same stuff. Like if you've been to a Bucks game, you recognize the sounds that you're hearing on the broadcast, all of the little nuances and and fan things that they do. It sounds like you're at a Bucks game. I hope the NFL can find a way to make that work in all of this because it. it I mean, it's part of the experience.
0: I agree, and I, you know, I, I give the NBA major props for kind of how they made everything so good for us on the broadcast end of it. And also like the MLB, I I thoroughly enjoy watching their games as well. And I think, you know, the NFL, they've had one week under their belts and I'm intrigued to see what they do moving forward. But again, I, it, I think it was a solid start to the season broadcast wise, thought uh, it was a solid start to the season game wise. So very encouraged with what we've seen so far.
1: Speaking of being encouraged, it turns out Aaron Rodgers uh, he, he can still play a little bit of football did you get the sense early on, like, when did you start to realize, oh, this this guy looks different than he did last year?
0: You know what? I? You know, I know they had, you know, those first couple of drives didn't, you know, really result in touchdowns, but kind of just watching how this offense was just getting down the field and granted they got stuck in the red zone those first two drives, just watching how they moved the ball, especially with him. I mean, I know he wasn't really pressured at all, but... The accuracy he had with that throw to Lazard, that touchdown, phenomenal, the Ridiculous.
1: sidearm.
0: Ridiculous. But, you know, it's, that's Rodgers for you. I, I think really early on in those first couple drives, I was like, man, he's locked in. He's ready to go. And that is super encouraging, considering, again, we've talked about, you know, these none of these teams have had any preseason work. Granted, Rodgers wouldn't be playing that much anyway, but... It was encouraging to see this offense in year two of Lafleur's system just really come out just rolling, and that was fun to see.
1: One of the big reasons for that was Marquez Valdez-Scantling making plays down the field, and he still had two drops, brutal drops, uh, one that that killed a drive where they were moving the ball down the field a little bit. You were there last year because you got to be there because it was a normal season, and MVS mm-hmm. did start well And then got hurt and fell off the map a little bit. He insists it was not a confidence thing. But Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur each said, "Eh, it might have been a confidence thing. Having been there, I mean, what was your sense of what was holding MVS back last year?
0: I, I, you know, I do agree with uh, the coach and Rodgers. And again, I'm not going to put any words in, in Marquez's mouth, but... You know, kind of from the outside looking in, it it did seem like it was the confidence thing because, you know, like with a guy, you get the yips, you know, you you miss one and it kind of gets in your head. You miss another one. Then you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm not going to catch this football. Then it just keeps on going and going. So I think it was just super encouraging that we see him in training camp. Devontae Adams said this is the best he's ever looked, which is high praise from. Tay. Right. And then you see in game one, he just had that, you know, monster touchdown granted. I know consistency is still an issue, but you know, this is kind of a really good foundation for him week one that he can build upon. Um, it, it's super encouraging to see, but again, consistency is going to be the huge thing is can he replicate this in week two against the lions and their secondary has been depleted. So you would expect yeah. to see Marquez, Quez Lazard, you know, Devante have a huge day in the air or, you know, catching passes. So if he can do this in week two and build upon it, I think that's going to be super encouraging.
1: Yeah. I, I thought it was huge for him after he had those two drops. Rogers comes back to him on a crucial third down on a seam route from the slot for a huge play to set up a touchdown. And you're just like, okay, that's what you want him to see. It didn't get in his head to your point. Like it didn't become a yips thing. He had two bad drops. He comes back and makes a big play that, that ability to overcome adversity That's something that for a young player, you love to see him make those kinds of plays. After that, though, the Packers defense, late third, early fourth quarter, started to give up some plays. What is your concern level with what you saw from the defense on Sunday?
0: You know what? I I think it was we... All offseason, we're talking about the run defense, and granted, you know, they weren't able to run Cook as much as they would have liked just because of time of possession. Because obviously, you're going to want to throw the football to score quickly in the fourth, which, again, I know they were in, in prevent defense, but, you know, giving up 24 fourth quarter points, giving up three successful two point conversions, it's not something you want to see. And I know it's still the first game of the season, but, you know, I, I didn't really see anything different with the run defense. Granted, you know, Kenny got hurt earlier in the game, so he wasn't in, but, you kind of have to figure, can this defense get any better? Because it didn't look any different than the unit we saw in 2019. And granted, we know we saw a sack by Zedarius, but the pressure still wasn't there or as much as it could have been there per se. So yeah. in my opinion, it's still week one, but it, it's still concerning on the defensive side of the football.
1: Yeah, and I made the case, you know, you look at the win probability and and Green Bay late in the third quarter with two minutes left in the third quarter, had a win probability of 95% and then after that they start to play you know the soft coverages they're playing off more they're not bringing pressure and then the Vikings score their 24 points and and that's a kind of defense right but the lions the packers opponent this week just saw that at the end of a game if you give up 24 points you might lose
0: exactly and and you know you don't want that to be the case for the packers as too because again you know Last year in 2019, the Packers only put up 40 plus points once. That was against the Raiders where, yep. you know, brothers went off. It's in a, in a game where, say, the offense just has trouble scoring. You don't want to make that point of, OK, we're going to give up 34 and we're going to hope the offense scores 35. You know, you want this defense to be able to hold their own, which is what they did to start the year last year. But when you have a guy like Matthew Stafford, I mean, you can't be giving up 24 points in the fourth quarter because he's a vet. He's going to take advantage of it. So, you know, we want to see if that defense can be stout coming into week two. But how is it going to look different? Because, again, they didn't really bring in that many pieces minus Kirksey. Right. So uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens in week two here.
1: And, and speaking of what we saw with Detroit, we did also see a Detroit secondary that now does not have a single preferred starter healthy. Desmond Trufant is hurt. Jeffrey Okuda is hurt. Justin Coleman just went on IR. They gave up a, a bunch of points at the end of the game to Mitch Trubisky, and I—I I don't know. I think Aaron Rodgers is better than Mitch Trubisky. I know that's a hot take in in some parts of some dark parts of the internet, but this just looks like another tailor made situation for the Packers to keep the offensive part of this rolling.
0: I agree, and I don't want to play devil's advocate here, but I know last season, you know, it was a little bit different. But I feel like every game we came into talking. Oh, you know, this is going to be a day where the Packers, on paper, should just obliterate said opponent. Right. No,
1: this is true. It was, a lot
0: it was a lot closer than you know it should have been. Right. But in encouraging Week One performance with what they have in that secondary with the Lions, you have to believe that Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to go off again, and this this wide receiver core is going to have to be able to take advantage because you know when you're presented with a pretty weak secondary like that, you you want to be able to score at least forty plus points.
1: I'm wondering from from your perspective as you think back on on this game and now we try and push it forward are there things that that you think we can we can say this is real we're gonna we're gonna be able to see this in in the coming games and and how much of it or do you think are just like okay we're some of this stuff we just need to flush
0: oof you know what I what it's, I,
1: it's the million dollar question really i mean yeah. it's, I, I think even the coaches don't necessarily know the answer so and i'm putting you in a tough position
0: <laughs> well I, I can just say offensively like you know i, I really enjoyed kind of how many pieces matt lafleur really utilized offensively you know we saw a couple rookies that played well as well like the end rounds with lazard and then tyler irvin they used him in a couple jet sweeps that was – I really like the innovation on offense from Matt yeah. Floor. And a couple of those plays, I'm like, you know, I really enjoy seeing that. I you know. I think they can really utilize that down the stretch. Um, but that's that's a great question. But, I, I, again, I, I'm still – I'm going to use the word encouraged. I'm encouraged with kind of how many guys they were able to use offensively. The rookies, Josiah, DeGuara, and also A.J. Dillon and John Runyon stepping up as well. So, again, encouraging is the word I'm using after only one game. <laughs>
1: I think that's, that's the, that's the way to look at it. Cautious, cautious optimism, even. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's easy to be optimistic, right? Because of how good they looked, especially offensively. But, you know, Jermichael Fenley made this, this point on Twitter. We don't know if the Vikings are good. So let's not take away too much from this because their secondary is, is really young. Their receiver core outside of Adam Thielen is really young we don't know yet if the Vikings are any good. We don't know yet if the Lions are good. And so by extension, we just can't know if the Packers are good yet.
0: Well, and I, I agree. It's, it's the point that, you know, Matt LaFleur said, you know, it's, it's only one game. So we right. still have a lot to work on. They left a lot of points on the field as well. And, you know, on paper again, they.
1: that's so win. crazy. They, they put up oh. 520 yards of offense <laughs> scored 40 points. Right. And you can honestly say they could have played better.
0: 100%, hundred percent. And, you know, it's just one game. But, you know, on paper, they should have no problem with Detroit. Then the big question is week three going to New Orleans. That's going to be a big, huge litmus test of where is this team truly? Because you're facing, you know, a future Hall of Fame quarterback. That wide receiver core is going to be dangerous. Can this Packers defense step up? I, You know, I think week three is going to be a huge litmus test of where in the grand scheme of all these really good teams in the NFL do the Packers rank.
1: Yeah, and, and somehow it doesn't matter if David Blau is at quarterback. The Lions play the Packers tough. So that I'm sure you are not advocating overlooking the Lions. I just think that's a point worth making. Uh, the, you, you have to win by playing well every week. And Green Bay won without playing well last week or last year. They won a lot of games ugly. This was not an ugly win. This was a really fun win. If they can put two together, then I think maybe we can start to say, okay, and then to your point, when they play the saints, that's when we'll have a good indication of, okay, we think the saints are really good. If they can, you know, play well against the saints, then we know, all right, this team can, can get to where they want to go this year.
0: A hundred percent. And yeah, taking nothing away from the Lions because like you mentioned, division games are always tough. I know it's going to be at home. So that's a little bit of an advantage per se, even with no fans, but Matthew Stafford is always a very tough out. And again, yeah, they played him super tough last year. So if they can, go on their P's and Q's just really play as well as we can expect them to play heading into the, the bulk of that first half of the season where you're facing some really talented quarterbacks. It's it's going to be a good test to see where this team really is earlier in this 2020 season.
1: I don't know why it made me think of that but when you said mind your P's and Q's all I could think of was Devontae Adams saying wash your hands wash your butt. <laughs> I don't know why.
0: Well people didn't listen or people did listen. I guess. <laughs>
1: Hopefully, the Packers can mind their P's and Q's this weekend. (laughs) Lily, we will be back here next week talking about Packers-Lions. This will be great. Excited. Always great to talk with Lily. Of course, she will be back next week for another edition of How You Doing? How you doing? Before we finish up, let's talk about making sure that you are not getting ripped off when you are trying to make your car work properly. Imagine, but it happens. Because at a lot of big box stores, when you're trying to buy car parts, you might have to pay a different price because you're a do-it-yourselfer versus what a mechanic has to pay. Well, why is that fair? If I'm trying to do it myself, I'm trying to save a little money and I should be able to get the car part for the same price. That's where Rock Auto comes in. They're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether you're a classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your car and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. And speaking of prices... Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and same, the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same part? Go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car, truck, and ride locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. One quick thing I want to say before we finish up here, Uh, there was some consternation yesterday uh, on Packers Twitter about DVOA, Football Outsiders' defense adjusted value over average metric, and and if you your eyes just glazed over, that's fine. Uh, you don't have to care about this. I appreciate you listening. But if you were in on that conversation and and there was some media who chimed in about their you know, uh, either dismissal or approval of DVOA. And, and I'm not going to weigh in on that one way or another. I think those of you who listen to this show or, or read the work that I do know that I value DVOA and a lot of the, the metrics because I think it helps us understand the game. I think that's always something that we should be doing, pushing for better understanding of the game. If you listen to the show, you do it because part of the deal is the how and the why. And in order to explain the how and the why, we have to make sure we know what the what is. And often these numbers are telling us what is happening, which can tell us how and why it can change or why it might not change. All of those things are important. But the the weird thing, the weird outcome, and Aaron Schatz even admitted this, was that the Packers ended up still below the Vikings, according to DVOA and according to Dave. Well, first of all, Dave is the projection model, and it's still less than 10% what's actually happened on the field. So it's mostly preseason projections. Green Bay was projected to be a good but not great offense and a very bad defense by Football Outsiders, the 30th defense by DVOA. And one of the reasons why the offense didn't look better is because they were not as efficient as they maybe could have been, part of that you know, playing with a lead maybe, although when they needed to score, they did that a lot in the second half. So... I think there's there's more reasons to be curious about the defensive metrics because most of what was given up was given up after the game was well in hand. But as we talked about with Lily, just because the game is in hand doesn't mean you can stop playing defense. So while I think that we don't have to worry a ton about what happened in the fourth quarter, it can't be nothing. It can't be nothing. For it to look that easy is not nothing and it's something that I think Mike Patton is going to have to figure out a a better balance of when you get up in these games it was great to see the Packers keep their foot on the gas offensively you would have liked to see them do it a little bit more defensively all right crossover Thursday tomorrow Matt Derry from Locked On Lions will be here to join us and break down the matchups we'll have a better idea of who might be playing and who won't be playing by tomorrow so We'll get some more information there. Still no update as of yet on Kenny Clark. So uh, we'll have that as it becomes available. We'll have an injury report today that comes out because they'll practice. And it will be something that, of course, we monitor as we head toward Sunday. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up, On the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.